Amen. Daniel chapter six, and uh, we're gonna jump in here. I'm gonna start in verse one. Last week, we talked about Caleb and how the Bible said that Caleb had a different spirit. This week, I wanna talk to you uh, today about Daniel and how the Bible talks about Daniel having an excellent spirit, an excellent spirit. So Daniel chapter one, or Daniel chapter six, verse one, this is what it says. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one of the three, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the government and satraps. In other words, there are a lot of Daniels, but we're talking about this Daniel. How many of you want God to speak about you that way? To when he talks, he's like, I'm, I'm not talking to all the Daniels. I'm talking to this Daniel. I think there's something that God wants to, to do so significant in your life that's just for you. And it clarifies by saying, this Daniel. Does anybody just want to throw your hand up in the air? God, talk about me that way. I know there's a lot of Robbies in the world, but I want you to do something for this Robbie. Come on, somebody. Amen. So watch this. So Daniel distinguished himself among all the governors and the satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. The king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not find charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So they made, it, made a decision that we're gonna create a law that's gonna, it's gonna make him violate this law because in order to, to keep this law, he would have to violate God's law. Is there anybody in this room this, this morning that's made the decision that, that God is my king? He is my Lord, and it doesn't matter what anybody else says. I will not violate God's law to keep somebody else's law. Come on, let's just put our hands together if we believe this morning that ultimately God is our king, God is our judge, he is our authority, and I must obey him. I must obey him. I wanna talk to you today about cultivating a spirit of excellence. I need you to first of all notice that Daniel distinguished himself. The Bible doesn't say that God distinguished Daniel. The Bible says that Daniel distinguished himself. And the Bible says that he did this because there was an excellent spirit in him. Remember, spirit is, is a mindset. So Daniel distinguished himself, and Daniel made a decision to have this excellent Spirit. This wasn't something that he was gifted with. He didn't come to an altar and say, give me an excellent spirit. Somebody laid hands on him and he got an excellent spirit. That's not how this worked. This was a decision he made, a decision that, that he made. And I love this decision because Daniel is, is, is basically a slave. Daniel has been taken captive he has been taken from his own home and his people. He has been brought to Babylon. In other words, he is not in Babylon because he filled out a job description. They said, hey, we got, we got work for you in Babylon. He is in Babylon because somebody came and took him hostage and took him captive. And now he lives in Babylon and serves a, a godless king. So he is living in a situation that is foreign to him, a situation that he did not choose for himself. And watch this. Still, in all of that, he makes no excuses for where his life is. He makes no excuses. He didn't complain, the Bible says. He excelled. 
he excelled. There's, there's a couple different words that other translations use for this word excel. One of them is extraordinary. So in other words, he was not, he was not ordinary. He, he, tr- he, he chose to be different than everybody else. Another, words that is u- another word that's used is the word exceptional. You ever heard this word exceptional? And I love the word exceptional because the word exceptional, to get that word, you have to use the word accept. 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 It reminds me of when my kids come to me and they say, Dad, everybody's going except me. Dad, everybody's doing it except me. And when they say stuff like that to me, I say, <laughs> The reason you're not doing it is because you're not like everybody else. You are the exception. I think in this mor- I think here in this room this morning, I think there are some people that, that have made up their mind that you're gonna live uh, an exceptional life. In other words, what that means is there's a lot of stuff that you're gonna get left out of because you are going to be the exception and not the rule. You're going to be the accept me. See, everybody quit except me. Everybody gave in except me. Everybody went to that party except me. Everybody threw in the towel except me. Everybody acted like that except me. Are there any accept me people in the room this morning? If you're in the room this morning, make a little bit of noise if you're an accept me. And if you're truly going to have an excellent spirit, if you're truly going to cultivate an excellent spirit, you have to get used to being the exception. You have to get used to the resistance of not going in the same direction everybody else is going. Somebody came to me one time and they were like, man, Robbie, serving God is hard. And I'm like, wow, serving God is difficult. I'm like, wow, yeah, you should quit. And they're like, well, 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 why? I was like, because God didn't call you to do hard stuff. God called you to do impossible stuff. Why are you doing hard stuff? If it was hard, that means you can do it, but you can't do it. So you need to be getting in the zone of where you're doing impossible stuff because the just live by faith and not by sight. If you can see it, then everybody else can see it. But what God is calling you to do is do stuff that not everybody else can see, that not everybody else is looking at, that not everybody else is paying attention to. When God want, when, when people look at your life, they should look at you and say, I've never, I've never seen a person like this. I've never seen someone act like that. I've never seen someone do that. I've never, I've never seen someone so kind. I've never seen someone so loving. I've never seen someone so generous. When God wants to use us, he wants to use us to do impossible stuff, not hard stuff. What are you doing hard stuff? stuff for. It's impossible. So for, so for the believer who wants to have an excellent spirit, you better get used to the resistance. Because being the exception, choosing excellence means that you are choosing, Jim Collins wrote a book years ago called From Good to Great. You're making the decision that I'm going from good enough to great. You ever heard somebody finish something, they're like, ah, it's good enough. Or they're working on something, and they're like, ah, you, you don't have to finish that. That's good enough. I don't want that mindset as a believer. I don't want like a good enough mindset. I want to have an excellent spirit. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not human masters. Do you know why that scripture is so powerful? Because the audience in Colossians 3.23 is not people who are frustrated because they're working at McDonald's. 
It's people who are in slavery. Like actual slavery. And Paul is telling them, hey, listen, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord with all of your heart because you work for God and not men. In other words, God is saying, if you're trapped in a situation, you better be the best while you're in this situation that you can be. God isn't saying, hey, wait to be the best when you get your opportunity. Wait to be the best when the doors open up. Wait to be the best when you get the job that you always wanted. Wait to be the best when all the circumstances line up to how you thought they should line up. No, God says, while you're in the middle of the most difficult circumstance you have ever faced, I want you to be excellent. I want you to do it with all of your heart, and I want you to do it for me and not for men. Ooh, that's really good. That's really good. That's how we begin to cultivate a spirit of excellence. We begin to be, and how do we cultivate that? We cultivate that by not putting God in the corners or the peripheral of our life. This is how most Christians live. Most people live. We live this life where we, we live either trapped by our past or we live in this place where we're always thinking about our future deliverance, but very few people live in the moment. And the thing is, is this is the only moment you have. Excellent people have decided, thank you for the past. I'm glad you've got a future for me, but God, I need you to do something in my life today. I might not have Monday. I need you to move here today on Sunday. Today is the day of salvation. There's not another day coming. There's not another day promised. Today is the only day you have. Excellent people live in today. Most Christians live with this mindset of like, thank you for what you did, you got a future for me, but they miss the power of today. And we always live this life of like, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, deliverance is coming, change is coming, and it's coming, it's coming. Thank God for what he did and what we need, it's coming. No, I, I just have good news for you today. The reason the New Testament uses this word in the New Testament, so often the word called, it's suddenly, is because that's how God wants to work in your life. God wants to do things suddenly in the moment, not three months from now, not six months from now, not a year from now. Do you know what you need from God? You can get today. You don't have to wait until next week. You don't have to wait for six months. You can ask for it today. You can have so much of an excellent spirit that you look at today and you take full advantage of today and you take today and you make it extraordinary. This is what people who have an excellent spirit do. They don't put God on the peripheral of their, their life. And the reason we, we really struggle with, with doing this, with, with cultivating an excellent spirit, is I feel like the main reason is comparison. Because excellence is not, is not perfectionism. Excellence is truly doing the best with what you have. And the reason you're not doing the best with what you have is because you keep looking at what everybody else has. 
And you keep comparing what you're doing to what everybody else is doing. And this is the thing, if you do media, you watch somebody who does media and you think that you need to do media the way they do media and God never called you to be a copy of somebody, God called you to be an original. God called you to do the best that you can do with what you have. I can't do what you do because I don't have what you have. Listen, I'm 5'11 and three quarters. That's on a good day. I feel like I'm shrinking. And without my shoes, I'm 5'11. I never made six foot, even though I lied on my driver's license and my driver's license says six foot. I probably need to repent right now. I lied to the police that, my, that I'm six foot. I'm not even six foot. I apologize to the police right now. I repent in front of all of you. But I never, I never, I don't get to, I don't get to work with six three. I don't get to, to work with a brilliant brain. I had a 2.25 GPA coming out of high school. Like, I went to ETSU because that was the only place that would say, yes, you can come here. Because they're required to by the state. It's a law. They had to accept me. Nobody else wanted me. So, so I, I, I get to use what I have. I get to develop what I have. I, I, there, there are certain things that I wasn't born with that other people were born with. There were certain advantages that you were born with that I don't have. There are certain advantages that I have that you don't have. I don't get to sit back and compare my life to your life. And when I get to heaven, guess what? God isn't going to compare my life to your life either. When I get to heaven, I don't have to answer for your time. I don't have to answer for your education. I don't have to answer for your background. I don't have to answer for you. I answered to God for the gift, the time, and the life that he gave me. So why would I waste my time comparing my life to yours when I'm not even going to be judged by your standards? You are not created by God to be a good copy of somebody else. You were created by God to be a true original. He gave you a fingerprint that nobody else has because you unlock things. You, you, you got this, this iPad. I put my thumb on it, and the only thumb that can unlock it is me unless my daughter, who's really sneaky, goes in and she puts her thumbprint in here. Also, she was tricking me one day. I didn't know you could do that. She's like, Dad, look, I got your same thumbprint. I was like, but I've always been told my whole life. <laughs> See, I told you, 2.25 GPA. Like, I wasn't, I, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not. It, it doesn't always work up here like it's supposed to. But I have a thumbprint that unlocks my iPad and my iPhone. Why? Because they are mine. And you have, a, you have a fingerprint, you have a design that unlocks what God has for you. You can't unlock somebody else's. You can't. I'll talk to you in a minute about how to unlock doors that you don't have a key to, but, but here's the thing. You, <sighs> I'm not talking about breaking and entering either. <laughs> but but he, you, you, keep, you keep looking, and, and, here's, and I face this a lot with uh, leading a church. You know, there's churches all over social media. And so if you follow one, or you follow a pastor, and they're posting all of their stuff, then you're like, ooh, Ooh, we should, we should do that. And, and I just, you miss out on what God wants you to do because you keep copying everybody else. But God said, I didn't call you to live up to their version of life. I called you to live up to the version I created you to be. That's really good. So how, how do I begin to cultivate that? I begin to cultivate that. First of all, we said, we live in resistance. We get comfortable with Resistance. And I begin to cultivate a life free of comparison 
when I stop asking for stuff, because here's the thing, we think, if I had their stuff, I could do what they do. If I had their advantage, I could do what they do. If I, if I had their resources, I could do what they, they do. That's not what God asked you to do. So I cultivate an excellent spirit doing the best with what I have by not asking God for stuff. Here's Daniel's secret. Daniel was a man of prayer. Even his enemies recognized that Daniel prayed three times a day. That's not all Daniel prayed, but that's what his enemies saw him doing. How much are you praying when your enemies see you pray three times a day? Daniel's secret was his prayer life, but Daniel's prayer life is different than most of our prayer life. Not in quantity, but in quality. What he was doing while he was praying. When you read about Daniel's prayers, you never see Daniel asking God for stuff. What you see Daniel asking God for is the solution. So he never asked God to give him stuff to to fix his, his problem. He asked God to make him a solution to the problem. And most people, because of comparison, they spend their life asking for stuff because they think stuff is gonna fix their problem. When stuff isn't gonna fix your problem, you can get a bunch of stuff, but if, you stop, if you're not a solution, then your stuff is gonna go away. You want, stop asking God for stuff. Ask God to be a solution and you'll have all the stuff that you need to do what God has called you to do. I want to be a solution. So, so when the king had a problem, Daniel said, God, make me the solution. Because if you'll make me the solution, if I have the answer, watch this, problem solvers get promoted. Have you ever noticed this? Like, 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 like on your job, the people who solve problems get promoted, but the people who notice problems get fired. And, and, and here's, what, here's, here's, here's what we've become, especially in Christianity, we have become professionals at noticing problems. Well, see what's wrong with the world today is, you see what's wrong with the system is, you see what's wrong with everything is, you see what they're doing. And, and the Bible is like, I, 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 didn't, I didn't show you all of these problems so that you could recognize the problem. It doesn't take any spirit of excellence to notice a problem. It takes a spirit of excellence to find the solution to the problem, to spend enough time in prayer so that God can speak to you and you can become the answer. See, you, your birth is the response to a problem. You are like Samson, who the Bible said that the people of God were being tormented by the Philistines, and so the Bible responded by birthing Samson. Samson was a response to a problem. You exist because you are the response to a problem that only you can solve. And if you would stop just noticing problems and pray and ask God, God, make me the solution to the problem, you would be promoted to the levels that you'd like to see. You would have the increase in your life that you would like to see. The relationships that surround you would be a better off. The situation you are currently in would not define you, but you would define the situation. In other words, 
I'm not going to let the atmosphere tell me what it's going to be. I tell the atmosphere what it's going to be. How many times have I gotten up in this pulpit and y'all have had a bad week and you sit there with a sad face and not respond to anything and I get up here and I put my foot down and I preach to the back wall until y'all start acting like you're actually here. Why? Because I am not going to let you dictate to me the, the environment that I preach in. I'm going to preach like I want to preach. I'm going to preach like I was preaching at the potter's house, even if I'm in East Tennessee. Why? Because I set the tone. And when you have an excellent spirit, you say, I'm not going to let this environment set the tone of my life. I'm going to walk into this environment, and I'm going to set the tone in this environment. I'm gonna, where heads are down, I'm going to lift heads up. Where people are quitting, I'm going to make them stay in the fight. When marriages want to give up, I'm going to tell them that you can, keep, you can make it. When your finances aren't working out for you, I'm going to tell you with God all things are possible. I just want you to know that we as believers, we set the environment. The environment doesn't control us. You're like, I don't like my job. Well, change the environment. I don't like my, well, change the environment. Well, well, you don't understand my situation. Daniel was a captive in Babylon with a godless king. If anybody didn't like their situation, it was Daniel. If anybody could have made an excuse for where their life was, it was Daniel. If anybody could have quit because they didn't like their boss, it was Daniel. But he said, you know what? I'm here. I'm going to make the most of it. And do you know what? Daniel outlasted multiple kings, multiple regimes. He was able to work with different types of people. He was able to work with men, women. He was able to work with his enemies because of an excellent spirit. Because I refuse to let the environment tell me what it's going to be. Make me an answer. If, if you're gonna cultivate an excellent spirit, you're gonna have to care about the details. <laughs> and all the men said, no, I'm not. <laughs> details are for the ladies. When we begin to make excuses because of our gender or the color of our skin, our background, our family upbringing, that's our lower nature. When we say, well, I'm a man, I don't like details. No, you serve a God who is into details. You look at the detail that God created the, heaven and the, earth, the heavens and the earth with. You can't tell me God isn't a God of detail. And guess what? You were created in his image. It's the fallen you that doesn't like details. It's not the male you it's the fallen part of your male condition. The, redeem, the redeemed you is in the image of the one who created you. Just look at your own body. You can't tell me that God doesn't love detail. God is into detail. You have to be concerned about the details. How do I, how do I, how do I become concerned about details? Let me just give you a few thoughts. You have to have, first of all, you have to have the humility to ask questions. This is, where, this is where men just, just check out when it comes to details because we don't like to ask questions. We like to have all of the answers. But the only way you can get the answer very often is to ask the question. 
So you have to have the humility to ask questions. You also have to have the discipline to follow directions. You don't like to ask for directions either. I know where I'm going. I don't need Siri to tell me where I'm going. I don't need GPS to tell me where I'm going. You ever tried to put something, you ever tried to put something from Ikea together and just wanted to just end everything? <laughs> just end it all, just like I'm just done. So I'd rather be in a car and just run into a tree right now. Like I would ra I'd rather, I'd rather do anything. I'd rather, I'd rather take care of my dog. And I, I don't like dogs, so that's, I don't like animals. That's saying a lot. Like I'd rather, I'd rather take the dog out to use the bathroom. And that's like, that's like the end for me. That's the apocalypse for me. I, I, don't, I don't ask for directions. Third, you have to have <laughs> the character to do what's right. You have to have the character to do what's right. There was a story I heard about a professor at Vanderbilt, and he was a math professor, and every time he would give a test, he, he would say this. He, was, he would say, hey, um, I'm giving this trigonometry test, but in reality, I'm giving you two tests today. I'm giving you a trigonometry test, but I'm also giving you an honesty test. And he said, he said, I'd rather you fail the trigonometry test than the honesty test. Because you, you, can, you can excel in life without trigonometry, but you can't excel in life without honesty. You, you have to have the character to do what's right. See, we do what's right because, not because of the outcome, we do what's right because doing right is right. If you only do what's right because of the outcome, then you'll do what's wrong to get the right outcome. But if you, if you do what's right to do what's right, then it doesn't matter what the outcome, you do what's right to do what's right. The character to do the right thing and the endurance to finish, to follow through, to see something through to the end. I have to, if I'm concerned about the details, I have to see it through to the end. Watch this, uh, Daniel chapter five, verse 12, the Bible says, King Nebuchadnezzar appointed him, Daniel, chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. He did this because Daniel, whom the king called Belteshazzar, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding, and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, solve difficult problems. So he said, call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. Some of you are not getting called because you can't, you can't tell what the writing means because you're not concerned with the details. The difference between you getting called up and not getting called up is knowing what the writing means and you have to be concerned with the details. Another thought is this, you have to value practice. Anybody remember years ago, Allen Iverson and his practice rant? Practice, I'm talking about practice. He said, I'm the franchise player, I'm talking about practice. Practice has to become valuable to you. You know, it wasn't luck that hit the forehead of Goliath. It was David's practice that hit the forehead of Goliath. Rehearsal and routine are so important to cultivating an excellent spirit. See, I can show you your future by looking at your routine. Rehearsal and routine are all about this. They're all about the ability to choose what I want most over what I want now. I have to make that choice every morning because every morning I wake up, my body says, give me 
a sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit and a 20-ounce Mountain Dew. But in my heart, I want to look good at the beach in the summer. And so because I want to look good at the beach in the summer, I have to say no to biscuits and Mountain Dew now. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? I just need you to understand, and, and just, 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 so that I can, just so I can brag a little bit, I have lost 23 pounds since Christmas from this simple choice. I'm not going to eat a biscuit and drink a Mountain Dew every single morning because what I want most is the choice I'm making even though now I'm thinking about cheeseburger right now. <laughs> right now. 1 Corinthians 9, 26 and 27 says, so I run with purpose in every step. Do you realize there's purpose in every step? See, when you have an excellent spirit, you, you put purpose into every step. When, you, when you're just doing, living a case or sera, whatever will be life, there's, there's some of your steps have purpose, some of them are just like, ah, they're just steps. But when you have, when you have an excellent spirit, there is purpose in every step. He, he says, I discipline my body as an athlete. He says, I'm not just shadow boxing. I'm training my body like an athlete to do what it should do. To win against them, I have to first defeat me, is what he understands. If I'm gonna beat them, I have to beat me. If I'm gonna win that battle, I have to win this battle. Does anybody hear what I'm talking about right now? And so he understood that when it, even when I'm just boxing in the shadows, I'm not shadow boxing, I'm training my body to do what my body is supposed to do. Do you, do you wanna know why that, that Daniel was able to do what he was able to do? It's because prayer was his, was his choice. Prayer was his pattern. Prayer was his discipline. Prayer was his routine. And so when a situation arose that he should have panicked in and that everybody else was freaking out over, he, he had already chosen prayer. He wasn't shadow boxing. He was preparing his life to do exactly what it was supposed to do when the time came. And the reason you're not reacting the way you need to react when situations come is because you weren't preparing the way you need to prepare when the situation wasn't there. Can I ask you this question? What if God gave you everything you asked for? Are you ready for it even? Are you prepared for the thing that you've been asking for? You have to value practice. Another thought is this, fix your attitude. Will you stand with me? You have to fix your attitude. I know a lot of people who are extremely talented, but nobody wants to work with them because of their attitude. And he made up his mind. I'm gonna have a good attitude, and a good attitude is gonna bring elevation in my life. I'm going to, it's gonna make the difference in my life. And this last thought is this, be willing to serve. Be willing to serve. In a day where everything is about profit, there's hardly anybody that's really concerned with serving because we wanna know what do we get out of it. What's the, what's, the, what's the kickback? What's the return? And serving is not a means to an end. Serving is the end. When you get to heaven, God is not gonna get, look at you and say, hey, well done, thou good and faithful businessman. You turned a nice profit for the kingdom. No, he's gonna look at you and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
enter into the, serving is the end. And a lot, of, a lot of the doors that you're coming up against and you're pressing against and you're trying to open, the reason you're not able to open them is because you don't have the key, right? It's not a door that matches your thumbprint. But I, I'm, can I tell you this? Just because it doesn't have your thumbprint doesn't mean it's not open to you. It would open to you if you would serve. Let me give you a scripture. The Bible says this in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 11. It says, Jehoshaphat asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? An officer of the king answered, Elisha, the son of Shaphat is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. So in other words, the king was looking for somebody to use. You realize that there is somebody that is looking for your skill set, what you have, your abilities. But sometimes the reason they're not calling you is because you haven't served anyone. And the Bible says there was a man there who said, I, I remember there's this guy here, his name's Elisha, and he poured water on, it didn't say, oh man, he's talented. Oh man, you should hear him prophesy. Oh man, his gift is out of this world. He said, no, he, he poured water on the hands of Elijah. Sometimes you're gonna get to a door that you're supposed to walk through, but you don't have the key to. The key is in the hand of the person you serve. And a lot of doors aren't opening because you're not serving anybody. Can somebody say a real painful, convicting, amen. So why don't we? Why don't we choose excellence? Why don't we choose it? Well, because when you choose excellence, here's what happens. The Bible says in Daniel chapter six, the moment that God started to elevate Daniel because of his excellence, people started to tear him down. They started to look for a fault. And I think most of us who have ever tried to step out, we've experienced this. Nobody will make, nothing will make your friends drop you like you succeeding. Nothing will make people walk away from you like you being elevated. And sometimes the reason we don't commit to excellence is because we know what comes with it. We know the losses of relationship. We know the attacks that are coming. And so we'd rather hide out and avoid the attacks than be who God has called us to be. It's like David, the Bible says, when, when he was anointed as king, the Bible says immediately the Philistines looked, they searched for him to kill him. It even happened to Jesus. As Jesus was being elevated in Luke chapter four, he's, he's preaching, he's preaching so good that people are like, man, this is amazing, this is incredible. But then they investigate a little bit further and they're like, oh, but this is, that's, that's Joseph's son. And so they begin to limit him because of whose son he was. Watch this, because they didn't like that he was doing better than he was supposed to be doing. Who is this guy? His dad's a carpenter. He should have a hammer and some nails in his hands building my chair. But he's out here tearing down his, my religion with his mouth. Who does he think he is? People will always do that to you because anytime you succeed, you become a mirror for their failures. You don't do it on purpose. You just do it because what they do is they look at you and they're like, how does he have the advantage when he has, should have the disadvantage? They were mad because who is this Daniel who's not from here 
who wasn't trained like we were trained, who doesn't know who we know, who shouldn't have, he shouldn't have this kind of access. He shouldn't be gifted like this. He shouldn't be used like this. And, and so many people are limiting you because of who they know you to be and the family that you come from. And then you start to limit yourself because of your family. There's nothing that limits us like our family. There's nothing that causes more fear than our family. You could be in this place today perfectly healthy and you're worried in your mind because you're like 45 and when your mom was 45, she discovered that she had breast cancer and now all of a sudden you're starting to think, am I gonna get the same thing that she got? Or your dad had heart disease and all of a sudden you're thinking I'm gonna get heart disease and your, your family deals with these issues like alcoholism or marriages are failing and the reason the enemy fights you so hard on being excellent is because excellence and excellent spirit can break the cycle of poverty in your life and excellent spirit can break off fear and anxiety from your family and start a new future for your family. An excellent spirit can break the cycle of divorce that is plaguing your family. Listen, I want to say this to you. I know it might run in your family, but it doesn't have to run through you. You can stop it today. You can make a decision today. I choose an excellent spirit. I know that the enemy hates it, but I declare that I'm choosing it today. Come on, if you choose that, throw your hands in the air and say, God, I'm choosing to be of excellence in spirit. I want to have an excellent spirit in Jesus' name. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for these moments together. Thank you for a smooth transition in the parking lot, seeing as I have gone at least eight minutes over. We thank you today for your word. God, we choose to have an excellent spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. 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 I love you. Seriously, it's going to be tight out there, a tight window, so be patient. And uh, thank you for your time today. Love you.